that's a great song that just reminds us of how much God loves us. Man, He loves us. He sent His only Son to die for us. What a great song just to be reminded of God's passion for the lost. Now I love it. I love it. Here we are getting close to Easter, you know, and uh, had great weather this weekend, beautiful weekend. Uh, I, don't, I think it's supposed to rain all the week this week, but hey, man, we got a good weekend there, right? And uh, so, man, just welcome. We're so glad you guys are here. If you're joining us online, man, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We're wrapping up our series called Found. And uh, I don't know about you, but, man, it's uh, to me, it's been good to kind of be reminded of the gospel, you know, and uh, how clearly Jesus made it that he came for us, you know, that he wants a relationship with us, and he wants us to be saved. He wants us to be part of his family. He wants us to be part of the church. And so what a great reminder of God's passionate love for us. And so let's go ahead and dive in. Today we're looking at the last parable in this trilogy of parables. And again, this is in Luke chapter 15. If you're, you know, watching it on your uh, version, you can do that. You can kind of follow along, follow the notes there. Uh, but the thing is, is this is really the heart of the gospel. This is Jesus making it clear. If you look at the gospel of Luke, he said, hey, listen, this is the focal point. This is what I'm about. And, and so for us to be able to hear Jesus say, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Hey, this is what heaven does when one lost person is, is saved. That's a big deal. And so as we kind of unpack this today, I want us to kind of think back, you know, over the last few weeks, we've, we've covered the lost sheep. You know, he started with the, the hundred you know, he leaves the 99 to go find the one. Then he comes down, it's the 10. You know, and, and the, the woman has lost one of the 10 coins. So she's lost one of the coins, and it's kind of a big deal. But here, it's down to the one lost son. And so let's kind of unpack the parable of the lost son here. So tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. We've talked about how, he, man, he just drew people in. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And so here we we were reminded, you know, that uh, in the beginning of this, Jesus is dealing with an issue. He's dealing with an attitude. And oftentimes we can kind of have that same attitude. We can begin to look down on people. We can kind of look at people and go, man, I wish they were like me. And that's what the religious leaders of the day were dealing with. They had that attitude, and they had this kind of self-righteous, condescending mentality towards sinners who Jesus came for. And so Jesus tells this trilogy of of parables... And he really makes it very clear. He, talk, he starts off talking about the lamb, you know, this, this lamb, and everybody kind of related to that. And then he talks about the coin, and like I said, everybody acts funny when you talk about money, right? And so everybody kind of got kind of perked up. And then this one, he began to talk about a child. And this one really hit home with everybody. But he's wanting to also illustrate, and we'll see as we unpack this, that he wanted to cover a couple of different things. And so this is something that we, we kind of covered a couple of weeks back, but really, religion and culture can cause us to miss God. We have to be real careful that we're not so focused on religion, and that's man's attempt to get to God, and forget that it's about a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus came for. And we can kind of get real religious. We want to you know, kind of do all, everything that you're supposed to do, cross off everything off our list, and, and think that we're good enough, and we try to qualify. We, again, we think, hey, well, if I will do the, enough of the right things, maybe God will like me enough. Maybe God will let me in. That's not how it works. And so religion can cause us to miss God, and culture can cause us to miss God. The Bible is clear over and over and over about how we get caught up in this culture or this world. And so oftentimes it becomes the driving force in our life. If we were to really look at our values and how we live and how we spend our time and how we spend our money, we would probably realize that, you know what, culture drives me more than my relationship with God does. Culture steers me sometimes more than my relationship with God does. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, what am I focused on? Am I focused on my relationship with God through Christ? 
or am I focused on religion or culture? So we have to be careful because it can cause us to miss God. And so this parable, we often will refer to it as the prodigal son. And, and so with the prodigal son, I mean, many of us will say, hey, man, I'm, I'm that prodigal son. I was the one that had wandered off. I was the one that, you know, was kind of living wild. You know, I knew better. And so it's called the prodigal. Let me kind of give you the definition of the prodigal. I think the lost son actually fits it better. This one kind of adds to the description, but I think the heart of what Jesus is saying, the lost son kind of uh, sticks. But prodigal means being wastefully extravagant, spending money in a recklessly extravagant way. That's all Americans, right? You know, I'm sitting here going, that's every American right there. So we're all prodigals. And, and so the prodigal, you know, is what we often think of. And we think of it as, hey, he was wayward. But Jesus is talking about being lost. Jesus is talking about someone who has wandered away. You know, and so it's, it's important for us to understand that the lost son is what Jesus really un, unpacking. So let's kind of drop down. We're going to pick up here with the parable of the lost son. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Like I said, he's already told the story of the lamb and the coin. And it, and it kind of touched the heart. And they're all kind of relating to that. And then he, he tells them this to kind of further illustrate what he's talking about. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, here's the thing we need to understand about that. He had a right to ask this, but it was a disrespectful uh, thing for that day. It was like, you know, whether, you, you know, you could die, I don't really care. I just want what's mine. You know, and, and so back in the day, an inheritance was really what you were supposed to do. If you didn't leave an inheritance, man, you were frowned upon. And so this was a major disrespect to his father. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there, there he wasted all his money in wild living. There's the prodigal, right? So he's, he's wasting it in, in wild living. About, that, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed his pigs. Now, again, understand, Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jewish people who are like, ooh, gross, you know. I mean, they couldn't believe that he's telling the story that this guy is having to feed the pigs. And it's only going to get worse. So he takes him out into the fields to feed his pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Now everybody's like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is really getting to him. Anybody in here ever slopped hogs? Anybody ever done that? All right, I see a few hands around town. All right, so nobody, not, not many people do that anymore. Now, you know, now it's a whole different process. But I can remember growing up, telling my age, my dad always wanted to raise hogs, and he would always raise them, fatten them up, and then we'd, we'd have them, send them to the butcher. And uh, they would eat everything that we didn't eat or whatever. And, I mean, it was just like slop. That's what you call it. Go slop the hogs. And, and so here's what he's doing. He's what? He's slopping the hogs. They didn't call it that in, in that day, but that's what he's doing. And if you've ever seen what it is, it's anything and everything pushed into a bucket, and then you go down and you pour that out, and those hogs come and eat it. And so this guy's going, man, that looks good. That look, He's like, man, I'm starving to death. That looks great. And, and so we've kind of got to get our mind around how gross this was. And, and, and the Jewish people are sitting there going like, man, this guy's at the bottom. He's at the bottom of the barrel. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we see clearly our true condition. And so sometimes we have to hit the bottom. Because a lot of times we think, well, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. And we don't really realize the condition of our heart. We just think, well, I'm not as bad as he is or I'm not as bad as she is. And, you know, I'm not as bad as some people. And I'm not a hypocrite like those people down at the church or whatever. And so oftentimes we'll have that mentality. But whenever we hit rock bottom sometimes, we realize, you know what, man, I see me for who I really am. I had a friend of mine who uh, I, I knew and 
I knew him later in life. He had become an incredible believer, incredible follower of Christ, and man, he was just a leader. He was just a doer. And I remember him telling me a story about how he thought he had everybody fooled. He was having an affair on his wife. He was cheating, you know, and stealing from uh, the business and just on and on and on. And anyway, he said, man, I lost everything. He said, and I even was working on a car. The car caught on fire. He said, it burned me up. He said, and I'm laying flat on my back in a hospital bed. I've lost my wife, my family, my business. I've lost everything. He said, and I realized, man, I don't have anywhere to go but up. And he said, laying in a hospital bed, he said, I did business with God and it changed my life. He said, I thought I had everybody fooled. He said, and I was only fooling myself. But, the, but whenever he got to that condition, flat of his back, rock bottom, he realized, you know, I'm the one that's broken here. Once his wealth was gone, so were his friends. Maybe you've got friends like that. Man, they're all, they're all you know, in whenever you, things are going well, but man, things can go the wrong way, and all of a sudden they're gone. You know, you're spending money on them. We used to call them fair-weather friends. Man, they'd, they'd be gone in a hurry. And so his, his friends, man, just kind of bailed on him. They left him. And so when he finally came to his senses, and I love this, he came to his senses, he, he, he changed the way he thought about the situation, about the sin, about Jesus. He, he began to change what he was thinking. So he literally comes to his senses and he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He's, he's come to his senses. He realized, man, what was I thinking? You know, and so there's change about to take place. He says, I'll go home to my father and and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And so here's the thing. He begins to see what is sin, right? He begins to change the way he thinks about how he's living. He begins to change the way he looks at, at what he's doing. You know, he, now he realizes this is sin against God, against heaven, and against you, Father. And so he's, he's changing the way he thinks about his sin. He said, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You know, just take me in and... Let me just be the lowliest of people in your, in your home, Father. And I think there's times that we're like, you know, God, here I am. Just, just take me and use me however you can. And God will do great things through us. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And this is what I love in this story. Really, the, 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 the key person in the story is the loving father. We think it's the son, but it's really not. It's the father. It's the loving father. And I, and I love what it says. It says while he was a long way off, you know, and I've always kind of imagined what that looked like, you know, that maybe he was out in the garden or maybe he was out in the yard or whatever, but he was probably working. He was probably doing something. And every time somebody would, you know, maybe turn the, the corner in the road, he would kind of look down that road and he would be like, you know, I wonder if that's my son. Always looking and longing for his son to come home. And so he's out there doing whatever, and he sees him, and he looks, you know, and it would be like, you know, that's not him. And I wonder if he did that day after day after day. And, and so one day he looks up, and he's like, there's something familiar about that gate, about that walk, how he's, how he's moving. And it says that whenever he finally figured out who it was, man, he takes off running, and he runs to meet him. And what a great picture of the Father. You know, that he's longing, he's looking, he's waiting, he's wanting us to come home. He's wanting us to be right with him in right relationship so filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and he kissed him he didn't say see i told you so and he didn't scold him and he didn't do any of that he just loved on him man then that also just loved on him even though he'd been sinful he'd been wasting all of his wealth he loved on him his son said to him father i've sinned against you i've sinned against both heaven and you and i am no longer worthy of even being called your son 
And so he's already put together the script. You know what I mean? He's been rehearsing this all, all the way home, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to say to maybe get in good standing, maybe just to kind of get in, just so I can have some food for my belly. But, man, the loving Father was watching, and he showed compassion. The loving Father was watching, waiting, and filled with compassion. He still does. He's still watching. He's still waiting. He's filled with compassion. Like I said, the song we sang earlier just sings about his love. How much He loves us. And I think sometimes we think He's against us. He's not. He's for you. And He loves you and He's waiting for you to come to Him. He's waiting for you to come home. And, and so whenever we look back, we see that this loving Father is watching, waiting, and He's filled with compassion. He's a loving Father. And that's the picture that we see throughout this, this uh, parable. To repent is to change your mind regarding sin in Jesus Christ. That's what the Son did. He changed His whole way of thinking. He realized, you know what? This is sin. I've been living in sin. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against my father. I've sinned against this relationship. And he said, you know what? I'm going to change. And he literally turned and began to turn back to God and turn back to his heavenly father. There's rejoicing that takes place in that. The prodigal son's painful circumstances help him to see his loving father in a new light. See, I think sometimes maybe we grow up looking at God, maybe how we look at our earthly dad. I know sometimes it can be that way. If your dad was hard and mean, maybe you look at God as being hard and mean. Maybe you look at, you know, God in, in the same way that you looked at him. And maybe you have a heart relationship with your dad or your strained relationship with your dad. And a lot, a lot of times we can superimpose that on other people and even God. But I'm telling you, God loves you. And he's compassionate. He's forgiving. And he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. You know, I think back again to Genesis, and I think back to Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day and having a relationship with God, being able to just have conversations with Him. And sin came in and just, man, just ruined it. And here God is redeeming us through His Son, Jesus Christ, once again. And so here's the, the Redeemer telling the story of a loving Father. Here's our Redeemer, our, you know, our blessed hope. Here, here is the, the Savior of the world telling a story about a father who loves and forgives and embraces this guy. Remember we, remember we were talking earlier in the other two parables about how this culture was a very shame-driven culture. You wanted to shame anybody that had done wrong and honor yourself. That's kind of the mentality. And so you were always trying to honor yourself. That's where the self-righteous kind of is fed. And then you wanted to shame and keep, you know, and, and, and shame anybody. So if you had been living like this, especially if you've been around these pigs, didn't want to have anything to do with you, we're going to shame you. We're going to ostracize you. We're going to be away from you. But what Jesus is teaching them is, hey, listen, God loves them. He cares about them. He wants a relationship with them. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. This is in Psalms. And so in Psalms, it's talking about the God that loves us, that cares about us. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. What we deserve is hell. What we deserve is to be separated from God for an eternity because we have sinned against Him and against heaven. We've broken His law. We've broken His word. We've, we've been so self-focused and absorbed. But yet God shows mercy. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Look at that unfailing love. I mean, you think about, you know, I don't know about you guys, but there are times whenever you get out and you start looking at a tree and you realize, man, that's a tall tree. And that's nothing. What he's saying is his unfailing love goes higher than the, than the heavens, man. I mean, God's, God's love goes on and on and on. His unfailing love for us. Man, it just, uh, we can't get our mind around that. He has removed our sins as far as 
from us as the east is from the west. I mean, you know, if you were to say, hey, man, I know that's north and that's south, but if I was turning like this. But the, the west, the east, you know, behind, as far as they are from each other, that's how far he'll remove our sin when we confess it and we repent. He'll wash us clean. He'll make us white as snow. It's because he loves us. He wants a relationship with us. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So Jesus was telling about this God right here. This God who is tender and compassionate towards his son who had been living in sin. He was telling the story to a bunch of people who were self-righteous and were trying to shame and condemn anyone who didn't do what they did. But Jesus was offering hope. That's why the notorious sinners were drawn to him. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger and sandals for his feet. He's going, hey, listen, we're going to take care of him. This is my son. And what he's doing is he's reinstating him here. He said, hey, listen, put a robe on him. It could have been the father's robe. It could have been one of his. Hey, go get the best one I've got. I'm going to put it on my son and let everybody know this is my boy. This is my son. My lost son has come home. Put, put sandals on his feet. That gives him authority. And, and so he's, he's saying, hey, listen, I want everybody to know he's good, man. He's good. And, the, and kill the fatted calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Don't you love that? Man, there's a celebration. That's right. When one puts their faith in Christ, there's a celebration. Man, everybody begins to party. And so it says the party began. Everybody that understood that this guy was lost began to go, you know what, man, they're celebrating. So the other servants, the other people around, man, they're celebrating this, this life that, that has returned to this young man. And what we uncover, God covers with his grace. So here's what he did. He began to confess his sins. He confessed them to his father, right? And so what we do is when we confess our sins, we, we are literally agreeing with God and we're confessing them. The Bible says, hey, confess your sins one to another so that healing may begin. So when we confess, hey, this is sin in my life. I had a gentleman the other day come up to me and said, man, I just need to confess this to you, Mike. I said, man, I'm not a priest. Jesus is your high priest. He said, yeah, but I need to confess this to someone. And I want to I just say hey, what I did was wrong. And I want to take ownership of that. And I want to not do that again. It's like, dude, that's awesome. And so healing began. And so when we confess our sins one to another, healing begins. When we confess our sins to God... Here's the thing, what God's got, this is what God said, hey, listen, if you'll confess your sin, if you'll repent of your sin, he goes, I will cover it with my grace. But if we try to hide it, if we, try, if we think that, hey, nobody knows, and I'm just going to hide this, and I'm going to tuck this away, God says he will bring it out into the light for everyone to see. So what you think you have hidden, God says, hey, listen, you'll never hide it from me. I know everything about you. And he says, I will bring it out into the light for all to see. Because he knows that sin is killing us. He knows that sin is contaminating our relationships. He knows that sin is robbing us from our effectiveness. He knows that that sin is robbing us of life. And so you think, well, why would he do that? Is he trying to embarrass me? No, he's not trying to shame you. He's trying to save you. He's trying to make sure that you understand, hey, listen, the sin is what contaminates us, and we've got to get this out here and get rid of it. But what we, what we uncover, God covers with his grace. When we confess and repent, we experience God's amazing grace. It is amazing. And so whenever we confess and we repent and we turn to Him, God just pours out His, His blessings. He puts a robe on us. He puts sandals on our feet. He says, hey, listen, you have authority over sin. You can, you can literally go through life and you don't have to bow down to these temptations. He gives us that. 
And so the more that we understand, you know what, the man, I do need to confess what is sin and quit, here's the thing, justifying it. Oftentimes what we do is, well, it's not as bad as such and such. I've never killed anybody. I've never done that. And we begin to justify our sin. But if anything, we ought to be broken of our sin to the point where we go, God, I want to hate sin the way that you hate sin. God, I want to see sin for what it is. And I want to see it as a cancer, as something that robs me of life. And so God, help me to see, the, see it the way that you see it. And then we get to experience his amazing blessings. And so here, here's a great statement. It says, whether it was a lost sheep, a lost coin, or a lost son, there is rejoicing when that which was lost is recovered. When that which was lost is recovered. I've seen a lot of stories where a child wanders off. Man, and they start searching. And I'm just telling you, whenever that child is found, man, there's rejoicing. And I'm talking about people across the nation will rejoice. God cares about every soul. He cares about your soul. And Jesus wanted to make that clear. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? And he'd been out doing, doing his job. He'd been doing what he thought was right. He says, your brother is back. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. And we're celebrating because of his uh, safe return. You would think that would be a good thing, right? You would think it would be something positive that his brother, who had been lost, was back home, who was dead, is now alive. You would think that would be a positive thing. But the self-righteous mentality begins to take over and so. Well, I don't know if we ought to be doing that. You know, we begin to ju- self, you know, judge things and go, you know, he doesn't deserve this. None of us deserve what we get from God. None of us deserve it. Here's the thing. If anything, we deserve hell. We deserve, deserve to be separated from God. But God shows his amazing grace. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. He, he, he said, son, come in. Let's, let's rejoice. Come in. Let's have a celebration. You know, let's, let's, let's let everybody know, you know, what has happened here. It says, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. See, what he's doing is he's going, hey, listen, he doesn't call him his brother anymore. It's your son. Kind of reminds me to, to the beginning of sin when we go back to Adam and Eve. Whenever God says, you know, Adam, what have you done? He goes, that woman that you gave me, all of a sudden everything changes, right? And we begin to disown and we want, it's about what somebody else has done. So here he, he begins to say, yet when this son of yours, not my brother, not my brother, but this son of yours comes, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. The self-righteous mentality can rob us of a celebration. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So here's the here's what I love is Jesus is telling this to who? The Pharisees and the, you know, the scribes and the Sadducees and all that are there. And the oldest son illustrates the Pharisees and the scribes. So what Jesus is doing is he's telling the story and he's helping people to understand why he came, what God's plan is, what is the mission, what is the gospel. And he's going to say, hey, listen, and by the way, this is the way you're acting. Now, all of us in the room, we would be sitting there going like, I would be like the father, I think. I think I'd be celebrating because my son had come home. But some of us would be sitting there like the, the scribes and Pharisees. We'd be like, I don't know about that. 
You know, a guy gives his life to Christ, a guy makes a confession, maybe even on death's doorstep. We go, well, I don't know about that. We begin to question whether God should do that or not. Man, this guy lived like hell his whole life, and then in his last breath, he's going to be able to claim salvation? That's not fair, God. God's not about being fair. He's about being, he's about being gracious and loving. You know, there's a thief hanging on a cross. We're fixing to celebrate Easter. And that right before that, there's Good Friday. And with Good Friday, Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he's got a, he's got a thief beside him who cries out and begins to believe in, in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, hey, today you will be with me in paradise. On death's door. He was there for his crimes. Jesus committed no crime. But yet he's hanging there between, between heaven and hell on your behalf and on my behalf, offering to us eternal life through him. Just like the Pharisees, the older brother was defining sin by outward actions and not inward attitudes. See, a lot of times we look at, hey, what somebody does rather than the condition of the heart. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside. God looks on the heart. We go, well, I'm doing this. That's religion. But do we have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? Have we put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation? Have we ever been saved? You might say, well, you know, I, I was raised in church. I was taught certain things. My mom and dad taught me the right way to live. But, man, I've wandered off. And I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people that wander off. I believe that when you put your faith in Christ for salvation, you are His child. I don't believe you lose your salvation. I know there's some that teach different. But I'm just telling you, I believe that whenever you are truly saved, whenever you have put your faith in Christ, you're His Son. But a lot of people will go through life doing religion. And a lot of people will go through life trying to earn their way to, to salvation, to, to God. And they're going to miss God's grace because they were focused on outward actions rather than an inward attitude and they were not willing to focus on the heart. And so maybe you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've just been trying to be good. Maybe trying to be religious. Maybe just trying to be whatever you thought somebody thought you needed to be rather than what God says we need to do. And that's to receive His Son, Jesus, and all that He did by faith. We're only saved by faith. It's not by deeds. It's not by anything else. And so, again, the gospel, we look at John 3.16 here. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That's God's plan, right? Many of you guys know that, that verse. You have it memorized. You know, and, and so God said, hey, listen, guys, I love you this much. We talked about His unconditional love earlier and his, his unfailing love, man. That's it. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all these religious leaders, they thought they were here to judge. Their job was to judge and make sure that everybody was living up to a standard. But God says this in the Gospel of John. He says, He sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save it. To save it. To save us. To redeem us. You know, that our name might be written in the Lamb's Book of Life in His precious blood. We're drawing close to Easter. And for me, Easter is a celebration. I've said this before, man. When I got saved, I, I guess I never got over that. And Easter has always been super special to me. I was telling our staff this past week, I said, you know, Easter is it's only like the Super Bowl for Christians, man. I mean, it's bigger, it's better than that. And so whenever we begin to get close to Easter, you know, I think about those who don't know Christ. I think about what Christ went through so that all of us could be saved and in a right relationship with Him. Yesterday we were talking to a, an older gentleman that has had great influence in my son's life. And, um, and so anyway, Laurie and I walked over and we were talking to him. And I said, hey, listen, I just want you to know, man, we appreciate the influence you had in, in our son's life. And, 
you know, he was talking about what you meant to him. And he put his head down. And he teared up. And he looked at me and he said, hey, that kid had more influence in my life than I had in his. And we're just kind of, you know, just looking at him. And he said, I wandered into the desert for 60 years. I wandered in the desert for 60 years. Lost. He said, and a 17-year-old kid lived out his faith in such a way that I wanted what he had. So let me ask you, are you living out your faith? Do you care about the lost? Those that are wandering in a desert. This is a guy who had all kinds of people in his life, all kinds of influences in his life. But a 17-year-old boy showed him the way to Jesus. So who are you sharing with? We're drawing close to Easter. That's, that's what Jesus died for. It's what he came for. Was that we might be saved. And here's the thing, that we might become his voices. We might become his ambassadors. We might become his representation. And that we might share the gospel wherever we go, with whomever we meet. And that we look for ways to share that hope. And we don't get caught up in just doing church and going through the routine and just kind of doing life and doing the American dream. But we go, you know what? I'm about the kingdom of God. And I want to see the lost come to know Christ. And I want to see those people saved. And I want to be able to celebrate, man, like nobody else when one calls on Christ to be saved. I'm just telling you, that is the mission of the gospel. That is the mission of Jesus. And if we are his followers, then we ought to care about where people will spend eternity. And we ought to be intentional with our words and with our actions and how we spend our resources because we care about what Jesus cared about. Here's some next steps. And really, I've only got one today. And, and the next step is this, to repent and experience God's amazing grace. You might say, well, Mike, you know, I'm saved. All right, well, here's the thing. But are you living in sin? You can be saved and still be living in sin. You can be walking in a life, man, that is like the prodigal. And so, God, I want to I repent. I want to quit living that way. God, I want to live for you. I want to I honor you. I want to glorify you. And, God, I want to I lead other people to you. God, I want to be a vessel that you would, you would use. I want to be one that you would reach for. If you need me to do anything, here I am. Think about what the prodigal son said when he came back. He said, Lord, if I could just be a servant in your house. And really, that's kind of what it's about whenever we give our life to Christ. We're going, God, here's my life. Just use me. I just want to be a servant in the, in the kingdom of God. God, I want to be able to help others come to know you. God, I want to help people take steps towards Christ. And so whatever it might be, that... That's the step today. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online. You've never put your faith in Christ. You've never been saved. Let today be the day that you come to your senses and you realize, you know what, sin is sin. You've sinned against heaven. You've sinned against God. And you say, God, I want to I confess that to you. I want to repent of it. And I want to turn to you. And I want you to come into my life. And I want you to save me. I want to quit living for me. And I want to live for you. I want to ask you if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I I want you just to literally just say, God, is there anything I need to confess to you today? Just ask him. Say, God, what do I need today? Because I believe that he will show you. God, I've never experienced your love. God, I've always felt like I was in trouble with you. God, I want to know your unfailing love. And so right now, just say, God, I want to know your unfailing love. God, I want to know that I'm in right relationship with you. God, will you come into my life? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? And his answer is yes. Jesus Jesus is saying, that's why I went to the cross, was for you. And just like that song says, man, he'll go through whatever it takes, a beating, a scourging, a cross, an empty tomb. 
He'll go defeat hell. He'll defeat the grave. He'll defeat it all for you. That's how much He loves you. And so maybe for you today, maybe you come to your senses and you go, God, I need to be saved. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Will you save me? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you through believer's baptism. I want to follow you and become a disciple. I want to, I want to literally serve in your church. I want to literally serve in this community. And God, I want, to, I want to be your ambassador. I want to represent you well. So Jesus, come into my life right now. With all the faith that you have, you put your faith in Christ. And maybe you're here. Man, you've made a decision. Today, we want to know. We'd, like, we'd love to know that. Let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. If you're online, you can text us, you know, my decision, 94,000. We want to know. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to walk with you. We want to celebrate baptism. That's the reason we celebrate baptism the way we do. We're actually going to be celebrating baptism on Easter Sunday. What a great day to go public and let everybody know that what Christ did on the cross, man, I've, I've accepted that gift and I've been saved. But there may be some of you watching online or here in the room that, man, you're living in sin and you know it. And God is calling you to repentance. He's calling you to brokenness over your sin. And let today be the day that you say, you know what, God, I, I, want to, I want to be in right standing with you. God, I want to ask you to forgive me. Say, so God, maybe I've been cheating on my wife or my husband. I've been cheating my business. I've been lying. I've been doing, this. I've been doing things that, God, I know are wrong. And so I come to my senses today, and I want to confess that to you. And so, God, will you forgive me? And he says, yes. But you've got to walk away from it. can't keep playing in it and dallying in it. God said, God, I'm coming to you. And here's the thing, when you come to him, He'll put that robe on you. He'll put those sandals on you. Man, He'll embrace you. He'll love on you. And He'll give you the power and the authority to be able to walk in freedom from that sin. Father, I thank You for loving us today. God, I thank You for the the story of the prodigal son. But God, I thank You more than that, that He was the lost son. And God, that He has come home. Lord, Father, I thank You for the picture that we see in this, this trilogy of parables, God, that we are, Lord, Father, we are Your focus. Father, those of us that are broken in our sin, Lord, Father, those of us that were on the outside looking in, God, you came for us. Your son, Jesus, went to the cross for us. And so, Father, thank you. God, thank you for your unfailing love. God, thank you for your forgiveness. God, thank you for your grace. And so, Father, I pray that as we walk out of here, we would never be the same. God, maybe we, many, many in this room have been believers for a long time. I pray that we'd leave here different today. God, thank you for your provision, for our salvation. And God, you're not done with us yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.